What is going on? Welcome to the Land Podcast. This week we have an episode with a returning guest, Jared from the Habitat Podcast, and he's breaking down a recent sale that he is waiting to close on. We're talking about a little bit of Habitat for whitetails, and then we're also talking real estate. We're talking about foresters and a really great episode. I hope you guys enjoy this. We recorded this at the Total Archery Challenge in Michigan. And we had, I guess you call it a special guest at the beginning of this episode. So that was a little bit uh, different than what you guys are probably used to here. Hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. If you're brand new here to the show, I'll tell you this. The goal here is to help 100 people buy their first farm. There's three ways to be included on that list. Number one, if you're in the state of Illinois and I can help you, I'm more than happy to do so. Number two, if you want to get connected with someone I would personally do business with, I will do my very best to get you connected with someone and you can see if it's a good fit for yourself. And if I don't know anyone in the area you're looking, I will tell you. And number three, you just simply learn something here from the podcast, helps you take action. Let me know. I want to add you to it. And we're uh, we're chugging away to get to that 100 goal. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Jared. I know I did. And real quick, we're doing a giveaway with Latitude Outdoors. We're giving away a set of their SS Speedstick series. And we're also giving away a dozen NIS arrows and an Exodus rival. All you have to do is head to the description in this podcast, sign up, and you will be in the running. We'll announce the winner. We'll send out an email to you guys or a text message and you will hear who won. Hopefully it's you. And all you do is just sign that up and you will have a chance to win a $750 prize package. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Until next time, here we go. We are in beautiful uh, Thompsonville, Michigan. Is this considered yeah. Thompsonville here? It is. And you are a Michigan native, so we're we're here. We're, we're in the presence of some of Michigan, Michigan's greatest. <laughs> It's been a great day. I'm not <laughs> sure who she is, but I like her. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of guests. We have a huge audience. A huge audience. Yeah. A huge audience. <laughs> Lots of claps, lot of applause. Live audience. <laughs> What's your name? Kate. Kate. We All have right, Kate. White call Kate. <laughs> White call Kate. <laughs> having fun here at uh, the Total Archery Challenge. How's it going, Jared? Good, Jake. How are you today? It's been, it's been good. Today's been great. Uh, Michigan has been... Michigan's been fun. Michigan's been fun. And we've talked to a lot of different people that uh, have bought our cameras in the past, that have stopped by the booth, a lot of people that listen to the podcasts. And how many Michigan podcasters are here right now? <laughs> Every one of them? They're all right over there. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, think I counted at least four of us. At least, yeah, at least, <laughs> at least at four. At least four. <laughs> at least four. We have at least four here. And <laughs> Kate is still out in the audience. Yeah. Entertaining the I, guests. I wish, the, I wish yeah. in multiple camera angles right now. <laughs> and Lucas might want to get that on video. <laughs> and so this is this is a little different than uh, the Zoom call podcast. I will say this: there's an addition additional uh, dynamic. But um, thanks for sitting down with us. I know it's uh, kind of a busy busy time here. No, you're good. You mentioned that earlier. I'm like, yeah, we should definitely do one. Um, yeah, we're all here. We're having a good time. This place, this show, has really grown. Or I guess it's not a show. The, the, the event, event. They it's do, really grown. They do an excellent job. Um, I went to my first one, I think, in Seven Springs, Pennsylvania. I think it was 2018. Okay. Or maybe 2017 yeah. even. I think it was 2017. And I went to Snowbird in Utah in 2018. I actually got to shoot that course. That was How was that? It was really fun. I want to go out west at one. It Big was, Sky yeah, or Utah. Yeah. Flew into Salt Lake. Man. Shot. It was really nice. Um, I was hoping to shoot this weekend. I don't know if we're going to get the opportunity, but how'd you shoot? I shot pretty good. Um, High stakes bet. We'll uh, get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> I, I, so the other day I went on one of these guys' podcasts, uh -huh. one of the Michiganders out here, and he asked me what my confidence level was. <laughs> I, I haven't shot since November. Sure. And uh, I was like, I'm feeling pretty good, you know, eight out of 10. I think I'm going to lose one arrow. And, and my last tack event was 
at Boyne. So before, so at least two years ago, maybe three years ago, mm -hmm. um, I grabbed the old no cam off the barn <laughs> hook, dusty. Yeah. I lost uh, one arrow yesterday at 141 yard moose on the moose. I'll sick, sick of course. And then uh, I the insert I pulled out an insert today in the stake of a target. It got in the target and I couldn't uh -huh. get it out, so the insert popped out. So I, I guess I'm down one a day and I shot three courses. So I'm I'm happy with it, man. Yeah, I really am. Yeah. Yeah. How, how tough was the course? Uh, I mean, courses for guys like me who normally shoot 30, 40, 50, 60 yards flat in my yard. Yeah. You know, and then go out hunting. Um, the first one this morning was 83 yards down a hill at a, <laughs> at a whitetail. <laughs> I hit the, the spine. The typical whitetail shot, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I hit the spine. I, I was happy with hitting the target. Um, I think they're pretty tough. And then the, the rigorous exercise up and down the hills. Um, get the heart rate up a little bit. Yeah. A little trash it, talking, get the heart rate oh, up even yeah. a little higher. Oh, gosh, man. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it, I, I try to exercise, so I was doing better than some of the guys in our group. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, it's it's work. Yeah. Um, These guys who put this whole thing together, they're probably just laughing oh, you know, yeah. when they set this course up. I'm sure they love the Midwest states here. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, but no, man, that's... It was fun. Did you uh, did you torture those arrows, the MMTs? Oh, I tortured your MMTs. Thank you. Put you. Them, you, put oh, them, yeah. you put them through the paces? Oh, yeah. Today, I, I mean... I put him through some deer last year in the dirt. Darn right. Broke a leg with him. Uh-huh. Um, all good. But today, they got tested, buddy. <laughs> I'm not sure who else is shooting him out here besides me, but I <laughs> I put him to the test. That's good. That's what they're made for. And um, like talking to different people here, the guys that have the real long slider, and they, I feel like, for lack of better terms, they, they train for this. They train for this event and this shoot. And they're pretty darn good, I'm sure. Like yeah. Even down to the part uh, Practice range, they have, what, a bear, like 124 yards way up this hill. Yep. You guys got flinging arrows up there. I think it's cool. A lot of people don't have the opportunity, I'm sure, to really stretch out. They're shooting. Most guys shoot in their backyard. What's that? 25, 30 yards, 40 yards, maybe tops. Yeah. And so it gives them an opportunity to, to really stretch things out. But, um, well, yeah, man. How was... Uh, I mean, I can tell you where I put those arrows. Yeah, tell me that. I want to hear the, the rigorous test you've put them through. So when you came out with arrows... I obviously wanted some. Um, I think I told you guys my my arrow weight of what I was currently shooting, which was like 530, mm -hmm. 525 mm -hmm. altogether. And when I got my arrows, they I didn't change a pin. Mm -hmm. So that's how heavy they are, right? Yeah. I think if you're up here, you might want something a little flat, a little lighter, a little flat oh, yeah. shooting than that for, for target archery. And yeah. I don't do this more than once a year. Yeah. So I brought them up. Um, <laughs> today and yesterday, I... Put them into a pine tree at like 92 yards. Um, put them in the dirt multiple times. I put them into arrow stakes. And then the most impressive one today, there was a, a wolf or a coyote or whatever at like 86 yards in the timber. And you can see this branch just looming, you know, 50 yards out. Well, I have a pretty good arc. Sure. Shooting like 60 pounds, not shooting heavy, yeah. heavy poundage. And two guys in front of me hit the branch. I'm like, here we go. I got down. I kneeled to try to avoid it. I shot up. That arrow hit the branch on the side of the shaft, uh -huh. which normally arrows explode. That thing just shot right down into the dirt. I pulled it up. I shot it the rest of the day. That's great. So into a tree, into the dirt, into the stake of a target, and then sideways <clears throat> shaft on a branch. I didn't realize they were that indestructible. They um, guys on the street, I didn't realize they were that tough. Yeah, the MMTs are really durable. I mean, it's one of those things, it's like the bow is the shootability of that bow is amazing. Like, okay, what does that mean? But, and then I think that same thought crosses over when we say the arrow's durable. It is statistically 
the materials that it's made with, how it's made, it is an extremely durable arrow. But I, I'm not the arrow guy at the office, so sure. I don't want to make any claims. So I'm no, going to make my uninformed claim. I think it's tough to arrow out there. Well, judging by the guys I shot with today, whose arrows did the same thing as mine and didn't make it through, uh-huh. I'm pretty happy with it. Good man. Um, I'm, and I'm not just saying that. I, I put it through the ringer and um, very impressed. It shot great. At, I mean, 140 yards. That's yeah, great. that's awesome. Yes. Very good. I'm happy with them. How are you surviving the drought? Well, I mean, for, and I'll premise this with, I was complaining. It's all about frame of reference. I was complaining about the drought in Illinois. And on the drive up here, I'm like, wow. It's, I think it's even worse up here than where we're at. And I think that's probably par- partially with the soil, but it yeah. is dry as heck. So we haven't had much rain at all um, ever since like the first week in May. And what's the date today? The 10th maybe? or June 10th. Yeah, so I spent five weeks or so without rain and uh it's bad like my grass at home dries out in august it's dried right now <laughs> yeah like it's it's been it's been terrible um walking up here like my pants just get covered in dust it looks like you're, you're walking in a dust cloud when you're just walking down the trail yeah it's super dry um not good for food plots one sure. owning a food plot company <laughs> <Yeah>. two <laughs> food plots um i'm hoping we get some rain yeah. tonight or tomorrow and uh it's terrible it's uh Spring food plots or summer food plots, you take that risk mm-hmm. more so than the fall, I think. But it's it's bad. I mean, yeah. We can't we can't buy rain. I mean, no. you're talking. Give me something, even some morning dew. <laughs> right. There's nothing. That yeah, that's when you know it's really bad. And yes. So for anyone that is, uh, do you have any advice other than praying for rain <laughs> for for food plotters out there who are frustrated? Good. That's, that's a good question. So. Shameless plug. If you're if you're doing something that you can protect your soil, yeah, you're gonna be more drought tolerant, right? Yeah. If you're armoring your soil with something versus bare dirt sitting out there, you're yep. gonna be better off. Yep. That's what you can do. Can you do that right this second? No, it's too late. You can plan for that for fall and for spring again, but at this time where we're at right now today, what can you do? You can pray for rain. Yeah, pretty much. Or you can irrigate. <laughs> yeah. Some guys are irrigating. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, you can only do what you can, and then right. Uh, would you say this is a good example of to not do aggressive tillage? Exactly. Um, you know, conventional farming and tilling, we all know it works. It's been done for how many years? You know, pulling a plow behind a horse. Like, yep. It works, okay? We all understand that. Um, I think you're just more susceptible to drought when you're exposing that soil versus yeah. not. So, like, the guys who are no-till drilling... Right now, through a thatch layer, the guys who are broadcasting and roller crimping over that seed, protecting it, like I mentioned, that armor, you're you're a step ahead. And especially if you're doing that practice for three or four years, you've built up some some good soil, and you have moisture in the soil remaining longer than, you know, some of the dirt roads we're walking down today, the trails like those, yeah. just yeah. a dust cloud. Yeah. It's hard to grow stuff in that. And yeah, uh, yeah you're, you're more susceptible to drought that way. Yeah, I. It works, but you need rain. Yeah, there's a give and take in anything. Correct. <laughs> and I think these times really illustrate that. Yeah, there's a lot of guys right now that are, including myself, wishing we had more rain, and just, you know, it catches you off guard. You spend the time, you spend the money, you know, spraying your plots, tilling them up, whatever. The the trip up north, you know, I want to I want up twice that week to make sure I could plant and get it done. And we got rain that night. It's rained since. Yeah. I'm not sure what I'm going to see tomorrow when I go back up there, but this, it really illustrates it right now. And hopefully people are, 
are paying attention and figuring out how do I avoid this yeah. in the future. So let's say someone planted a food plot right now and it has failed. Yep. What's the next, what's the next step? Retry, retry and hope for more rain, wait for fall plots, try to get some sort of cover on the soil for throughout the summer. I mean, what yes, would you suggest? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm, I'm with all those. A lot of guys didn't even plant their spring summer plots till now. I know guys who are like, you're up shooting bows. Shouldn't you be planting? <laughs> I'm like, well, I, I did plant the first chance of rain. Yeah. Hoping to get more where a lot of guys waited. You know, if, if you have a spot up north three hours away, do what you do. But if you're, you know, you're back at home, a lot of guys are putting in their seed right now, knowing this tomorrow and, yeah. and Monday and Tuesday are going to rain. Um, that's one thing you could do. Other than that, I mean, hold tight till fall. Mm-hmm. You know, hold tight till August. Make sure, you know, spraying some of the competition out or getting ready. But really, it's tough right now. It is. Just because of the past month of history of weather, I'm not telling anybody to go run out and buy seed and put it in the ground. Like, mm-hmm. just... We, you know, hold a little bit tight. We're in a drought. Fall will be hopefully mm-hmm. a lot better. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, la- was it last week? Yeah, last week. Little, uh, pop up storm. Nice. I'm watching, no, well, <laughs> I'm watching the radar and then it's like, all right, well, okay. I think the forecast we're going to get, it was, it was supposed to be a, a decent amount of rain. It's like, all right, I'm going to go run out. I'm going to go get this done real quick. And then, rain just broke up all the way around us and so it's sat there since i think we're supposed to get rain tomorrow but um it's just a gamble did you plant yet i planted some stuff yeah did you? i when? planted i planted 2,000 trees in this trial oh. this year yeah i thought you planted them last year no this year oh i didn't know that yeah this year oh my goodness yeah so yeah so you're really I'm you want rain more than i do yeah well and i don't know it's all relative i look up here and it's like man it's, it's pretty rough up here but yeah it um is. it's dry it's a lot of the stuff is actually doing better than i anticipated by okay, far, um, I started mulching a lot of lot more hey, stuff. Richard's help. Richard did help with everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it's looking so great, right? You're darn right. He's got, he's got the green thumb. Yeah, but a lot. It's actually doing a lot better than what I anticipated. I, and I, um, we have better soil. I yep, think that's a big true. part of it. And that's then a huge part of it. Uh, definitely have done uh, the 250 gallon uh, drum of water, and then yeah. I've just used gravity, and I've just used a hose, and I've watered the conifers, and then I've tried to touch some stuff that is alive. And try to keep it alive, but a lot of the really little stuff is just toast. Is it? Yeah. And um, I was talking to the NRCS and like, well, maybe the roots are there and they'll come back next year. But and I tubed all of them too, so I think that's another thing to bring up that it's reducing more stress. Like, there's not going to be browse pressure in stressing the plants. And I, this is all very new to me. I'm not here to preach to anyone, sure, because I'm very much in the learning phase and I'm I'm fully uh, accepting that. But yeah, that's why I like you. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You, yeah. So and I think that. I think you're right. The NRCS, you know, they're commenting about how the first year, you know, trees are, or even the first couple of years, trees are really trying to establish below ground versus above ground. Um, so, yeah, they, I mean, I hope and pray that that's what's going on for yeah. you. And, uh, I mean, trees, trees are tough. Trees are tough. Yeah. But it sounds like you went through the proper precautions and, and the uh, protection, which way, is going to pay off. Yeah, way more work, uh, way more time than probably what I allotted. But, um <laughs> I, I don't know. You, they're in the ground. You got to take care of them. <laughs> yeah. Yep. How often are you watering? So the fruit trees I was watering every week and I actually listened to Chasing Giants with Don and Terry and they said a big mistake is people water them too often. And he said to water them twice a month and, and douse them. Yep. And so those guys have, once again, they have more experience than me. I'm going to listen to them. So yep. that's, uh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do twice, uh, twice a month and 
do a little bit less. And actually, in reality, it'll be the same amount, but I'm just going to rotate. Okay, this chunk, this chunk, this chunk. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm growing some oak seedlings from acorns in my basement right now. Oh, nice. And uh, they run out of water all the time. It can yeah. be a week, and they're fine. Yeah. Like, so if you think about it to that point, they can go a lot longer than we think. Yeah, I you agree. Know? Yeah, for sure. Let, it, let those roots go down. And then I guess as far as it's June and the, maybe you guys are thinking, I mean, this spring flew by for me, like between work travel and everything else. And so they're thinking, what can I be doing right now? People are getting excited for deer season, rightfully so. I know I am. And I'm, I'm probably just projecting my excitement onto other people. <laughs> but what can you do in June and July? You're the, you're the Habitat podcast host. Yep. So what can, we, what, what, what can someone like me do other than trying to keep stuff alive? Sure. Sure. Great question. Um, what I would focus on right now is either water holes. Water's huge right now. Gonna, yeah. You go put it in a water hole. Um, that's you, a great uh, project. If you can get through the concrete of soil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You may have to get some equipment. <laughs> yeah. um, that's always something you can do. I focus a lot on getting my mock scrape stuff going. Sure. Getting it together. Yeah. Get my cameras ready. The yep. batteries all swapped out. Uh, get the solar panels yeah. from you guys. Get them up. Um, get the mock scrapes going. I try to get them up by, you know, July, end of July. You can even go after that. That's fine. But like in Ohio, we just put ours out last weekend in yeah. Ohio. So just just starting to make that social hub for those deer. Give them longer to get used to it. Agreed. Um, it's not, I don't know if you call that habitat or not. It's, in, it's, it's instrumental in yeah. all my plants. Yeah. All my plants. Two questions on that. First one, do you think water holes are overrated, underrated? Properly rated. Underrated. You think they're, yeah. Underrated. I yeah. agree. I think a lot of people think it's dumb. Like, I really do think they're like a water hole. I don't Sometimes understand. they look kind of dumb when you yeah. just put that plastic tub in the ground or, yeah. the, or the kiddie pool. Um, and I get that. I'm, I like an aesthetically pleasing surrounding when I'm out in the tree. Yeah. I don't want a purple kiddie pool sitting there full of water, but underrated. I think that if you do it right and you make it look natural just for you and the deer, they don't, they don't care as much, but, um, it, they're very, I mean, you'll get everything on your property on that camera. Yeah. Everything goes there. So my buddy, he grabbed a big satellite, uh, you know, those big old satellite oh, dishes, yeah. like yeah. six foot diameter, maybe even eight foot. That's a good idea. Was. He grabbed it. Uh, picture like a big one, like a smiley face, you know, or whatever. <laughs> he just set it on the ground and kind of buried it in the dirt with his tractor. Um, it works perfect. Yeah. That's actually a really good that's idea. That's trash. Somebody's trash. Yeah. You know. And water holes are expensive. Like the, I have a couple of the earth ponds that look. Those are nice. They're aesthetically nice. very pleasing. They're, they're expensive too. Yeah. But. I mean, that's a really resourceful way. And most of those are uh, like a like a tan or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, however you can get it done. You can, you know, um, I was talking to Giannis from Meat Eater, and he put in one with, you know, the tarp, laid the tarp down like a pool liner. Yep. Filled it over with dirt. Um, you know, however you can get it done, you know, use whatever resources you have. But at the same time, like the way I, the way I see it, we have to have everything on our parcel that your neighbor's having more. So... I want to be the outlier. I want to be the example property. Mm -hmm. So am I going to have a water hole? You betcha. Yeah. Yeah. And for the amount of money we spend, the amount of time we spend, that's a pretty easy thing to do, to implement that yeah. most people aren't going to do. And I, I put them in and one mistake I found, I've talked about on here. So I put one where I wanted to direct deer more than what they probably naturally wanted to do. And so I, I put kind of in out of the, you move like out of the way, kind of trying yeah, to pull just a little bit more on the backside of something. And, okay. and I, and there's some things I can do to, I think to still encourage that movement, but they, they, they haven't used it as much as I anticipated. I put in the 300 gallon one with equipment and everything. Wow. And I was like, man, that's a regret of, a regret of mine. So I think I should have put it in a, 
ultimately a better spot because I've put I've put in my fair share of water holes, and the ones where they're already using and enhancing that movement, it they do use it all of the time. But where did you put that? Why do, why do you think it's failing? Or not failing, but yeah. not getting the use that you want. Yeah, so it's on, it's on a so big hill. It's on the top of the hill. There's a food plot up here. It's kind of on the backside of it, and then on this knob, there's bedding. But it's pretty steep terrain, and part of the reason I put it there was it'd be easier to access for deer hunting. Sure, that was a big part of it. And sure. I put it on the backside so neighbors couldn't see it. Okay, that was another thing. In reality, I I could have put it in a better spot, but I wouldn't have been able to hunt over it. In reality, well, maybe that would have been better. Um, but I think those are the biggest things. Is, gotcha. It's just, uh, it was, there was no defined trail there. I've cut one in. It's just, it's not in the right spot. Gotcha. But I learned. Yes. I learned. Yes. And you can I, move it. Yeah. And I put it in a different one. It'll be hard to move. But I can move it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I put other ones where it's just, uh, it makes a lot more sense and the deer absolutely hammer it. Yeah. It's hard to change a deer's natural path. Um, it's not impossible, but it's hard to do to really manipulate if they don't want to be in an area there's a reason for it whether we know that or not so yeah yeah i see what you're saying yeah um as far as i guess two more questions <laughs> sure yeah. so we're give doing me it. give me like your perfect location for a water hole and maybe you walk through an example where it worked really well or speaking generalities of something that's like oh yeah i can relate to that to, to the parcel i hunt great question um i yeah i can cover all that based on personal experience. <laughs> sure, yeah. uh, I've made plenty of mistakes. Um, so the 15 acres that I just sold, hunted that for six years, I put in multiple water holes, um, two that are coming to mind. One worked a bunch, one zero. Why didn't the one with the, with the zero work? So they were bo- what I think is important for both was that they're in cover, right? They're not out, you know, in this field by the road. Yep. You know, they're, they're in pretty good cover. Um, one of them, I kind of tucked against this brush. I cut this hole in this brush. I planted a little micro food plot in there. And I had some trails going in and out. And I tucked it kind of in the edge um, where it was kind of surrounded by brush on three sides. So it's one way in. Sure. The other one, it was more of a defined food plot trail that I had made. And I put it out of the cover, out of the bushes, if you will, a little bit more into the food plot. Mm-hmm. Um and they use that one more? Way more. Yeah. And way I, more. I would say the one that doesn't work too, it's it's probably tighter in there yep. than what they want. That's, you said yeah. it with one word. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Tighter. That's exactly. I feel, I feel like it needs to be tight. You need to be in the cover, or at least for the deer we're trying to shoot. Um, and then just that, that other one works so good. And they're, I mean, they're 50 or 60 yards apart. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, those, those were one fail, one win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and that was your tractor supply tub. Yeah, I bought some ground, of those. You know? yeah. yeah, those work really well. And then um, I was going to ask on the mock scrapes that you're putting up in the summer, break down with that location for someone that maybe hasn't put one out before and they've heard about it, they've thought about it. Maybe there's already some scrapes on the farm. And they're like, that's good enough. I want to hear why they should put one up and where. Sure. Um, back to your your failed waterhole, if you will, for lack of a better term. Um, on the deer's travel route, within you know a threshold i don't go way off in left field and put one down uh for the same reason i think that the water hole is probably not getting hit if that's way off in left field yeah they don't like it over there already for some reason we may or may not know not gonna go over there so i've already identified through scouting where they're moving through i'm just trying to enhance and direct and pull them through at the right time when i'm there um 
That being said, I'll have a mock scrape at every tree stand location because uh, I'm hunting in those same areas where they're traveling, right? Once again, not enhancing hunting. the yeah, enhancing yep. the spot. Not often left field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, and they don't all work, but after, if, I would urge everybody to try it and then get better at it over time. Sure. Um, it's it's one of the top things that I do in mind. And the way I set it up, I, uh, I'll i scrape out a circle from like us to Richard over there, like a, like a car hood, like mm-hmm. gigantic. Very visible. You cannot miss it. Mm-hmm. You see it from space, right? <laughs> and it's Probably huge. nowadays. Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you could, you know, it's, it's aromatic, all that dirt, um, visual. And then I will also, I know guys use vines, guys use ropes. I stick with, um, I'll find an oak tree. I'll cut mm-hmm. off a live oak branch. Yep. And I'll tie that and let that dangle there. And I just feel like that's more natural. Um, I feel like there's more wicking material up there to grab scent. All those leaves, what? all yeah. those all those branches. Um, again, other stuff works. More than one way to skin this cat. That's just what I do. That'll hold those leaves for a long time. Yeah, a um, very long time. And then what I've actually added recently, I'll throw one of those magnum drippers up there and then fill it with... Um, I'm not in cahoots with these guys at all, but I've used it for years, a buck fever synthetic product. No free promos on here. I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah, I'm yeah, just no. kidding. I've heard of, get, that. Get I've heard, of that. Get rid of that. I've heard good things about, about Well, that. Yeah, and it's it's expensive too. And um, but it it's that's how I do it. And then it drips and then you use the forehead gland up top. There's other products too out there. Um my buddy Jay Gregory, he likes that black widow stuff. Whatever. There's there's stuff yeah. out there, right? Yep. Forehead gland and synthetic scent in the scrape. Uh-huh. And I then uh, sit back and don't, and I don't touch it again. Let it do its thing. Yep. Do you take it over or they won't? Yeah. And that's that. I've tried the, uh, like the fake dirt stuff. Yeah. I had some buddies that swear by that and I, I used it and I don't think I ever, I don't know if it made a difference. This is a video and hopefully maybe some of this. I'll try that. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is something that if I've you, always wanted to do. When you can sell dirt, you know you're doing something right. It smells, it's, it smells like it should. I'll just say that. And all right, when it's October and I'm struggling, man. <laughs> Anything goes. Anything goes. What's that, that rub me- slime? Remember the rub slime? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's this video idea that I've had for a long time is I wanted to do a split test of a bunch of different things. Try the rope. Try a vine. Yep. Try the cuttings of different. So like try, I know some guys like the conifer or like yep. some sort of pine. Yep. And then try a hardwood. I want to do all that. They hit cedar all the time. And then document which one did the best. I think it's situa- I think it's location based too. Yeah. Well, I just want to do it for, for where I'm at. And just have some form of data. Yeah. And I think what we would probably see is that they're probably all within a variance of, I'm just guessing, like between 10 and 15%. I'm I guessing. In your area, I would say yes. Yeah. Yep. So I think- I uh, think ropes work by you. Yeah. Where by me, they it. don't work. Uh-huh. They do not work. Not well. These darn Michigan deer are too hard to kill. Dude, they're <laughs> Heard nuts. it all weekend. They're nuts. <laughs> they're nuts, I'm telling you. The vines that work up here, um, the ropes haven't had luck, and the oak branches- Every branch on the side of every cornfield between oh, yeah. here and Ohio is, you know, <laughs> scraped under. under. Yeah, right. so that's kind of what I, you know, just take after Mother Nature. Yeah. Yeah. And then are you, I assume, are you putting cameras on most of these mock scrapes? Yeah. That's kind of how I hunt. Um, you know, I don't get after it too hard right off the bat in October. I'll I'll have them set up and I'll just wait for my daylight opportunities and then I'll I'll strike. You know, three kids at home and, and you know, multiple plenty, plenty of responsibilities. Yeah. So I try to I try to do less is more with that whole thing. And it's just it's just, you know, waiting for the daylight picture and the scrape's a great place to put it. 
Yeah. You know, most likely the deer is going to walk in there and check it out. Yeah, for sure. Great, great uh, inventory. Yep. So those, yeah, those are some really great summer things to, to have in mind. And I think those two things to me, if anyone was on a, they didn't want to spend a bunch of money, they didn't want to spend a bunch of time. I think those two are by far the biggest impact, lowest amount of work and time and money and all that. Agree. Very efficient. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, what projects are you, so you have the seven, you have the up, the up north piece. What projects yes. are you working on right now? So I'm going up there. Um, I fired my first forester and logger. All right. We got to talk about that. So that process. Yeah. It, it's not like, you know, it wasn't any bad blood. It's just nothing was happening. Oh, they just didn't do it. They just didn't start the project. So we had it marked as soon as, you know, we could, which was, or we had it walked. I'm sorry. I met with a forester last year. I had it walked. I walked it with him. I learned a ton. I urge anybody, if you can walk your woods with a forester, go do it. It's it's a great time for great nerd, learning experience. nerds like me. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, so then it was like, okay, yeah, we'll get the trees marked this fall, maybe next spring, and, and we'll get you cut soon. I'm like... Wait, this is the forester that was saying this? The forester. Okay. And right. the forester looks out for you on your behalf and, and hires the loggers, manages the whole job, makes sure everything's copacetic when they leave, mm-hmm. and everybody's happy. And they get and a they commission, commission on it. Correct. Yeah. 14 or 15%. And um, just nothing was happening. And I know everybody's busy. I know COVID screwed a lot of stuff up. I know there's maybe not a lot of processors in that area up there. Was this a state or private forester? This was a consulting forester, okay. so private. Yep. And I I had great, I had a personal referral from a guy, so I knew this was a good company. Um, but we sat on it for two falls and hunted, nothing getting done. Mm-hmm. And it's a big park-like setting in those woods right now. And it, to me... That's not I, what you want. I'm just screaming in my head every minute I'm sitting in there. Just <laughs> You're like, just looking at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yep. it's gorgeous. And it's like, no. So I've been on them all spring this year. Yeah, we'll get it March when, you know, when somebody wants to come come cut it. Like, when's that going to be? So you get where I'm going with this. Yeah. Finally, another buddy of mine, Matt, he's like, you should call this guy. Check it out. You want to wait for three more years to get this cut or what? I'm like, <laughs> right. no. So I, another guy, three and a half hours away. Wow. Drives up. Walks, he goes, yeah, we'll do it this year. Uh-huh. You have good value in here. He goes, why didn't they cut it last year? I'm like, I, I don't know. He's like. And meanwhile, timber prices are very dynamic. They dropped. That's what, I was get, that's what I was getting at. Yep. Like, I asked him, I go, you know. What, what percentage? What yeah. were they last year? He goes, nine out of ten. I go, how about now? He's like, five out of ten. Yeah. He's like, you lost significant money by waiting. Yep. And nothing I could do about that, but looking back, it kind of irks me. But this guy's like, there's still good value in here. I'll have a cut by January 1st. Mm-hmm. Freaking sold, dude. Mm-hmm. You know. So we signed him on. I called the other guy. He's like, that's okay. We got more work that we can handle. We're out. Sure. So it was it was all fine. But um, you got to find somebody who's willing to work for you and willing to get the job done. You know, I love timber value. And maybe that first guy was waiting for a better commission for the market to go back up. Mm-hmm. This and that. I. So I right. want deer habitat yeah. now. Or, That's not your goal at the end of the day. Your goal ultimately is to improve the parcel. Great. Or, uh, correct. To great. what you want. Yeah. yeah, to what you want. And if you're going to cut for timber every eight to 10 years, if I could cut now, I'm already, I restarted that eight to 10 year clock. Sure. Right? So in 2031, I'll cut again versus if I wait three more years, it's just... I wanted it done. I'm a little impatient with that. So <laughs> that's, that's more, where I'm more, at with More that. patient than most on that. Yeah. Um, I had a thought and uh, it has now exceeded my my brain here. Um, oh, we talked about this parcel and it's in a conservation easement, correct? Correct. And yes. I remember when we recorded on that for the land podcast, there were some people yes. like, that was dumb. You can't do anything with it. 
So right there is a misconception to point out that for sure you are able to do a lot of different things on that piece. For sure, they've been awesome. Um, the conservancy that that has the easement that we purchased the property from, um, very laid back, very awesome. They check the property once a year. I'm double checking stuff with them right now, everything I do, and mm-hmm. they're like, "This is great. Thanks for reaching out." Nobody ever calls us. I'm like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe I don't have to call you." And it, I already had like a habitat plan that I've made submitted to them before we even bid on the property. So I already know I'm clearly doing a lot of stuff. Um, it's been, it's been very easy mm-hmm. and I'm going to go in there and take a bunch of trees out this fall. And, uh, it's all part of the plan. They're okay with it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put in food plastic. They're okay with it. Yeah. So I think it's just a misconception. I for mean, sure. I get the point where you don't want anybody telling you what to do on your own ground that you paid for. I fully understand that. Fully support that. But you're able to get at a much larger discount. A hundred grand less for yeah. the property in that in that area, and when your highest our goals and, are the same. Yeah, your highest and best use is to enjoy it and deer hunt it. Yeah, and not develop it exactly. And that's what they want too. Yeah, they want to protect erosion. They want to protect the watershed. They don't want to develop it. They want to keep it a pristine northern woodland. I'm like, yes, 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 and yes. Deal. Yeah. So that's where we're at with that. Um, even our our builder up there, we were building a cabin. They cut a little bit too many trees for the <laughs> for the view, and I called the guy and apologized and told him, and nothing. Hmm. So they're uh, they're easy to work with. They just don't want. I think I think we have more in common than what most people think. That's, that's what I'm what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think I think that's a common theme for sure. Yeah, uh, across like all biologists and everything else. Like I think most of them respect. Where we're coming from is the crazy dumb deer hunters. Yeah, <laughs> where they're at from yeah. their from their perspective too. Yep. way more common ground. Um, well, anything else? I I know I don't know how much you want to talk about, but your the other piece you are moving on from. I don't know if, if we can wait to talk about it or. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, back to the seventy real quick. I'm going up there this week. I'm gonna. Oh yeah, go project, in there. Yeah. I'm just gonna paint. A bunch of the food plot areas that they're gonna when they're in there cut all the trees down. Mm-hmm. So they're select cutting at first, then they're gonna leave. You know, when they're done, I'm like, hey, can you cut these half acre parcels here, here, and here? And these areas, they're like, sure, just go up there and mark them. So I have to go do that. That's pretty much my project this week up there. It's gonna take a while, but it's um, it's kind of fun. Uh, the, the piece I just sold last Friday that was my original baby, which my, we've talked my, about. My first child. We we talked about on the yep. Empire, like. Yeah. Start and now to finish, which is kind of cool. Yep. And now uh, I decided to do a 1031 exchange, tax deferment there. And I am in the market for the next piece. And, <laughs> Anyone out there. <laughs> and I have like 38 days. So if anybody else no is pressure. out there who has uh, no pressure. you know, a 40-acre parcel for sale, <laughs> give Jared a call or give, give Jake a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, he'll call me. <laughs> Perfect. Because um, literally I have 38 days or I have to pay the government money. And I'd rather not pay the government money. I can't blame you. I can't blame so. you. What was the – so you did a lot of work on that piece. What was the biggest impact project you did on that? Hmm. Because I know you did a lot. Yeah. I would say a combination between the cutting, whether it was a TSI we did in the back. I had loggers there too. And the hinge cutting for cover. Mm -hmm. Cover is king in Michigan with our crazy deer. You've heard me say that probably too many times. (laughs) And like opening the canopy. That's always number one. I don't care which property you're on. That's number one. And then the food. You know, high quality food plots that can withstand browse, you know, I planted some diverse mix of ours next to a clover mix that I had for years. Last fall, I watched a deer walk straight across that clover to diversity. 
Interesting. Every time. Um, it was just, it's tr- truly eye-opening. So I think high-quality soil and food and then the cover um, were my two biggest. You know, I just got chestnuts. I just got apples, so I didn't really get to enjoy the fruits yeah, of, of that labor yeah. yet. But uh, the new owner does, and um, so I really can't stop, talk much on that. But those would be my my two. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so you've done a lot of Habitat podcasts with, with guests. Mm-hmm. What's been one of the biggest findings or learnings from that out of all of the ones you did? And I, I know that's really hard to ask because— as a as a host myself, I've, I'm learning all the time. I'm so thankful for that. Well, it's I mean, can you can you even answer that question too? Because like I think that so we talk about this stuff so much that it all goes back here in the back of your brain. Yeah, and then you start to understand and know more than you did before, the week before, or the year yeah. before, and it just kind of becomes second nature. I mean, there's there's so many things. Yeah. Um, opening the canopy. I said I'll say it again. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. How important that is. I would say mine. I think. Uh, well, this isn't really a lesson, but I think sometimes we just overcomplicate things. Sure. You talk to a lot of these guys, and I think it's really interesting. Everyone has their different perspectives. Everyone has their own twist to things. But when you really look at it objectively, you really boil it down. All the key pillars are almost all the same. I'm talking from deer hunting tactics and strategies. I'm talking from the habitat perspective. And then like a land buying thing too. Like all these things, everyone has their different twists. Everyone has found these different things that work better for them. But at the end of the day, the core three pillars of whatever category are almost all the same. I love that answer. That's why I refer it back to you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like like you said, there's more than one way to skin the cat. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, skin the cat. Like just, you have just to do it. Do it. Yeah. And I don't care, you know, paralysis by analysis, sit there all day. You know, get started. Get moving. Because as soon as you start moving um, and, and getting the plan done, whatever is your, your plan, our plan, whoever's plan, whatever it is, Get through it. Get the ball rolling. I'd say, I'd say that's probably one of the bigger things too. You know, I think we do a lot of plans for folks, and sometimes I wonder if, if you know, they implement it. if they implement it or not, or how far along they are. And I still think that folks uh, are overwhelmed by a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, you know, to your comment, if I didn't buy the first piece of property, I'd mm-hmm. still be wishing I did. Yeah, still be sitting there going. I mean, I wish I'd have bought that. Man, these prices gone up a lot. Yeah, and now it's like, okay, where's the next one? Let's dance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess just get into it. How hard was it to sell your first piece? Easy. Okay. Oh, it was, easy for no, no, no. Like for you. Oh Cause, no, because that was because you put so much work into a being in position to buy, it, and then b all the work you did on it over the yeah. years, the memories you have on it. I'm still not okay with it. <laughs> That's fair. I thought you meant like how fast it is. So no, it's all quick. Yeah. Um, but I. I mean, I planted those apple trees with my girls. They were this tall. Uh-huh. And I have the same picture when they're eight this tall with apples. Like, that's real stuff to me. That's yeah. that's amazing. And all those fruit trees, fi- the chestnuts, beautiful <laughs> last year, finally showing up. All the apples finally showing up. Um, I know where to hunt. I know how to get in there. I've killed some nice deer there. And, and it's like, this thing is turnkey. Yeah. And I want to start over. But the process is addicting. Okay, that's why I want to start over. Exactly. Because I can't just sit there and be turnkey. Yeah. I'm like, my, my, my brain is spinning for the next, what can I do? I have it all done there. I don't have any more room to plant fruit trees. The food plots are the size they need to be. Yeah. The lot, woods have been cut. Um, My neighbors are encroaching on my sides. Like, they know <laughs> they know where the property is at. So, it's like, I'm ready for the blank slate again and just yeah. the process. You're yeah. right. It's it's all, I, it's all we think about and talk about, obviously, with the, with the podcast, but yeah, um, it's my passion for sure. Yeah, I think it's funny how the— like, I'm still sad about it, though. I mean, I, I, I get it. 
I think it's funny how the industry is kind of, I, I shouldn't say industry, but how sometimes things are really polarizing, like people that have land and then people who don't are like, well, that's so boring. You just go and do, you go hunt the same place, you know, all True. the time. Okay. I understand that perspective. And those guys like to go to a bunch of different places. Sure. But I know some a, of those guys. It's just a, it's just a long-term difference because you're addicted to the process of improving it and learning. And it's the same type of thing. Except it's on a different different coin. Once again, more things in common than what people realize. Correct. And it's like, Correct. I don't know. I, um, what do you say, because I think, this is my opinion again, it's like somewhat land ownership is a little demonized now. It's kind of anti-cool. Yeah. It's like, man, Public land's cool you're right wearing now. Velcro sneakers. It's kind of what it feels like as a land What's wrong with those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It's. Uh, what do you think of all that? They haven't owned land. Uh-huh. The people who are saying they have not owned land. And you just think that that process is so rewarding and it's just like 100%. one of those things. Nobody in my family owned an acre, you uh-huh. know, like n- never had family property to go on. You know, I know f- people who have beautiful family spots that they get to go do and enjoy and the legacy. I want that for my family. That's and, cool. And I want my kids to grow up doing that. And maybe it's because something I didn't have, which is why I wanted it so bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but I think that's a big part of it for most people. Probably. Myself included. Yeah. And and I just think that people who are are demonizing it, you know, I just go hunt public for free. That's great too. You know, there's a lot of skill set that takes to do that. Um, I think once you own the land and you get the gratification that I've experienced, it's I'm gonna always own land. Yeah. Like it's hundred uh-huh. percent. I mean, no question to me now. Yeah. And then all right, so then the next next level of that is um there's also like the movement of people saying the people that buy land is making it harder for new people to get into it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, uh, not well-read enough to make a really good argument, but to me that's kind of a logical fallacy because it's going to inherently get harder no matter what. If you do own it or you don't own it, and it's like we, we all have the same common passion. I think we all can work together more, but that's, I'm going to get off my high horse here. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, we, I mean, something that maybe that's the theme of this podcast, right? Like we, we both understand that and we can see through whatever these initial fallacies may be or, or, or through, you know, the intentions of these people that hate private landowners, right? It's a rich man's game now, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I'd rather own it than have Bill Gates own it or, right. or somebody else yeah. who or doesn't have, own or, it. Yeah, for sure. Or, or whatever. I think... Um, well, and the people that own land are inherently hunting less public land too. Correct. It's so true. It gives them more room. True. And I also think that, you know, if... If you want to go hunt public, and that's awesome. I hunt public up north all the time up here. Um, Where at exactly? You need some suspense. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I didn't say I was good at it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just, I just think that we should all have the experience that we want to have. And if you want to Big own up. land and, and get out there and, and do it, do it. If not, don't do it. I'm not going to hate on you for hunting public. Um, I don't know. I just, it's so gratifying to me that I, I, I'm going to keep doing it. I don't see another way around it. That's cool. Um, okay. Well, I think uh, one other question I had, I have a couple other, but as a Michigan guy here, 160-inch three-year-old or 130-inch six-year-old. Well, whatever the shoe? Yeah. In Michigan? Anywhere. Oh, anywhere. But those Michigan, that Michigan DNA is in you. So. <laughs> 160-inch three-year-old or 130-inch six-year-old? I asked Brian this too when, he, when we were at Harrisburg. So I remember what he answered. In Michigan, I have no problem shooting three-year-olds. 
Yeah. Uh, no problem shooting I three-year-olds. I knew that was the Michigan I'll shoot, I'll shoot a three-year-old. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, no. And it's, not, it, it's not even about the antler size at that point. It's We don't have a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm okay with that. You have even less six-year-olds. 100%, yeah. So would you want to shoot the six-year-old then? I think, off that? I think the bigger the body that walks in, it's cooler. Okay. Um, But I'm not passing a three-year-old in Michigan. Not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, for sure. What, uh, what's been your biggest hunting regret you've ever had? Um, so far, it's not, not doing more with, with my dad or my grand, probably my grandpa. My grandpa, he's passed away a while ago, but, uh-huh. um, him and he used to take my dad. They used to go out west all the time. They have, you know, muley mounts and antelope and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, we never went out once together. And, uh, I regret not forcing that. Uh-huh. Yeah, they weren't offering it. I should have somehow figured that out. My dad, he's, he's let's see, he's mid-60s now, and I'm going to have to drag him out, but I'm going to make sure that you know, <laughs> That's, yeah. we do it. We do deer camp every year. Like we, sure. get that, we do duck camp every year in Michigan. We, we hunt, but I'm talking, I want to go take him to some cool places and do some stuff while, while he's around. Bring my son along. He's a little older. That, so I guess that's what I want to make sure I don't regret because mm-hmm. the grandpa was probably the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's a that's a very wholesome answer. I didn't expect to say that when you asked me the question. <laughs> Just came out. <laughs> Speaking from the heart here. It's true. Um, it's true. I mean, anything else here? We were talking, I, uh, one of those deals, like we were talking a lot of catching up, which is really good. It's good to see you. Yeah. One I of those deals, you, you stay, you stay like, you, I don't know, it's always good to get a little bit of FaceTime. We, obviously, we stay in touch throughout the year, but it was good to, absolutely good to see you. Yeah. And anytime, anytime we're, uh, where Brian's at or where you're at, we got to record. You sure. To. No, I appreciate Automatic. Yeah. I appreciate it. And, uh, it's always great seeing you. I always call you when I'm on the road <laughs> and catch up. What's the land market doing? <laughs> That's great. And we have an hour conversation or a half hour every time. It's, and I love it. So appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. you guys. And, um, looking forward to more in the future. Yeah. Um, feel free to plug the podcast and then, uh, a, a drought resistant food plot company that you have. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Um, Habitat podcast. We're on all the platforms. We talk about making your land better for deer hunting and other wildlife. Um, really good. Listen, that's our passion. Yeah, we, we love it. It's, it's been a well-received podcast. Uh, we appreciate everybody who listens to that. Uh, we started a food plot company as well. My partner, Albert and I, um, vitalize seed company. Vitalize means to put energy and strength back into something. AKA the soil in, in our, in our mind here. Um, it's, it's a very nutrient cycling, protect the soil based approach. Um, you know, get rid of fertilizer and herbicide over time. And what we found out is kind of an accident. Deer freaking hammer it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when they eat it all, it doesn't do as well for your soil. Sure. They're taking it with them instead of leaving it there. But, uh, they're going to crap in the food plot. Exactly. So <laughs> we're starting the process and if they crap in the food plot, that's free fertilizer too. <laughs> yeah. So we just, we're urging people to try to move forward. Um, I think that's the way the world's going to go. And we just, Agreed. we're on the front side of it and, uh, it's been again, very well received. We're simplifying it. It's effective. It's pretty inexpensive compared to some other stuff out there. So, uh, vitalized seed there and, uh, yeah, all over the internet. So Thank you for the shameless plugs. Appreciate that. Anytime, man. Thanks. Of course, Jake. Thanks. There you guys have it. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Quick reminder, sign up for the Exodus Latitude giveaway. Check out the Exodus NIS arrows. Use the code DIBS to lock in your savings. That is it. Hope you guys have an excellent week. Until next time, see you guys.